Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy, a great joy to be here with you, to be able to worship and celebrate with you, to continue growing in understanding and wisdom of who God is and what God is calling us to do and who God is calling us to be and how we can do all of those things. And so my hope is uh, that you have come here to join us, that you have come here uh, in the idea, in the hopes of celebrating God, in the hope of, of moving in the direction of God. And, and if you're new here, I, I just wanted to say, hey, you're welcome here. We are excited that you are here, that you are with us, that you have chosen to spend some of your day with us in worship this day. Uh, and the reason that we're excited about it is because we recognize that we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus. And we want to invite you on that exciting journey that we're on so that together we can grow in grace and love and hope and peace and joy in knowing who Jesus is, but more than that, in knowing what Jesus has done for us and in us and what he continues to do through us. And so it's my hope that you'll join us in that, that, that together we can be the people that God wants us to be, that together uh, we can go to where God is calling us to and we can live out of our hope and faith in who God is and what God desires for us. If you're joining us online or in person, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. And, and I am excited because we get to continue, uh, we get to continue this sermon series, this worship series uh, called Reset. The idea of resetting our faith in this new year, instead of uh, a laundry list of all the physical changes we're going to make or, or, or changes that we resolve to make on New Year's, that we're going to reset our lives onto the hope and the promise of Jesus Christ, that we're going to lean into the relationship that God calls us into, and that we're going to learn to love people uh, in a new and powerful and profound way, because we are going to experience the presence of God in a deeper way. And we've been talking about it through the lens of the reset button on a video game console. Uh, and, and last week we talked about Donkey Kong 64. This week we're going to take it in a much more modern, uh, modern direction. Uh, there was a video game. My, my son and my daughter and my mom have come into town for New Year's and just to hang out afterwards. They were uh, not here for Christmas, but they came right after Christmas. Uh, and so they're at the house and we're celebrating uh, just being able to be together and be family together. Uh, one, one works in St. Louis, one goes to school in Florida and and my mom lives in Texas, and so we're all here able to celebrate together. Uh, one of the things that happens, though, uh, because uh, we're all together, is that my children say things like, I'm bored, just like they did when they were little. I'm bored. I want to do something. And so uh, my son brings his video game console when he comes out here and uh, brought his console and downloaded and installed some games for he and Savannah to play while they were here. And one of them was very entertaining to watch. My daughter was playing a game called I Am Fish. I Am Fish is a, uh, it, it's Honestly, it's a silly game. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. It's a pretty silly game. Uh, but I am fish. The idea is that you are um, you're one of four fish that have been separated, and you're trying to be reunited. Uh, and you have found yourselves in fish bowls and aquariums across uh, the land, and you're trying to get back out to the sea. Don't don't worry. It's a goldfish that can breathe salt water. I don't know. I didn't write the game. Uh, but you're going through all of these trials and all of these things that are going 
going on. And you have four, uh, four fish that you have to play through. One is that goldfish. Uh, one is a, a piranha. Uh, and one is a puffer fish. And then you have a flying fish. Now, my daughter was crushing it on all of the different types of fish until she got to the flying fish. And she was struggling so bad with that. Like uh, the idea was that the flying fish would have to jump from puddle to puddle to get to a new location. It would have to fly. It had wings uh, so that it could glide. Honestly, uh, it's a gliding fish, but they're called flying fish, whatever. Uh, but he, you know, the, the whole idea was that the fish was, had to get to these different locations. And, and she struggled with that so hard because it was one of those difficult uh, games and, and she, would, she would take off from the water, swim really hard in the water, you'd jump up out of the water uh, and then the wings would go out and, and if she had to go in a straight line, everything was great. But if she had to turn, the fish would roll all the way over and fall straight down and hit the ground and, and then you have to start over, you have to reset and do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again. And she was really frustrated. She said more than once, I hate this fish. Ugh, that was my favorite. Uh, but she struggles with this because it's one of those uh, games that was meant to be more difficult. And, and so she's, she's having a hard time with these fish and getting them to do the things that they want, specifically the flying fish. And you have four levels, so you take the four fish and then you have to work on the fish together. And what was, what was very interesting to me was... Uh, she suddenly figured out that she had been trying to do the flying fish all wrong. You see, the, the control scheme for the flying fish was just to nudge it, and, and then the fish would correct on its own. She was thinking that she was powering the fish and trying to fly it, and so she turned, and, and it would turn too far instead of just a little nudge in order to do it. I mean, the way that she got through those first few levels with the flying fish was she, in the water, she had the fish angled just right so that she could jump and glide and land in the next puddle uh, and, and survive. This, when she figured this out, she was like, it's so easy to do all of the things that I needed to do, uh, and I was struggling to. And, and the reason that I bring this up is because, you know, quite frankly, many of us have gone through life and we struggled to try and figure out how to do some things. Maybe we weren't taught some things, but, but at the end, we, we find a new way to do it or the way that it was intended to happen. And we're like, wow, what, what, how crazy is that? I'm, I'm, I'm about to blow some of y'all's minds. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to have people that question my ability to be a pastor on some sides. And on other sides, we're going to have people that were like, I never knew that. Uh, here, here's an example from my life. Um, deodorant. Uh, I know it's a weird statement to start with, but deodorant has a plastic cap. The deodorant that I use has a plastic cap that's in the top. Now, here's the deal. Uh, I just recently learned that the way that you get the plastic top off of the deodorant the brand new deodorant, isn't with your teeth or with a pair of pliers. I'm, I'm not making this up. Uh, you can open the bottom, unscrew the bottom, or raise the deodorant up, and then you can just lightly take the deodorant cap off. Now, here's, here's the deal. It says on the plastic for the deodorant cap, twist bottom until easily removable. 
I never saw that. I never understood that. I have, I have, it's embarrassing for me to say, I have used my teeth to get the deodorant cap off. Uh, and I didn't learn this until just a couple of years ago, y'all. Uh, I've been doing it wrong my whole life. Now, some of you out there, like I said, are sitting there going, this guy cannot be my pastor. <laughs> and some of you are sitting out there going, wait, you can turn the deodorant thing? And, and some of you have been doing life uh, as long or longer than I am. And now this is an epiphany. This is one of the reasons why when we look online, one of the cool websites that I enjoy is called Life Hacks uh, or online videos that you see. Now, some of them are absolutely ridiculous, but some of them actually clear up how you're supposed to do things and, and help you to understand how to do things better. And the reason that I wanted to start with that, the reason that it's necessary for us to start with that is we have to realize that, you know, when we take a look at our faith, what if we're doing the same thing with our faith? What if we're doing the same thing? What if the difficulty in, in our faith uh, or the, that we're overbearing or, or we don't feel like we're really getting it is because we don't really understand it. We're doing it wrong. And, and so the idea today is how can we reset our faith? How can we reset our faith so that we can do it right, so that we can get it, so that we can live fully into it? And, and, you know, the question that comes up is, truly, what is faith? I mean, we say it a lot, and, and in the Christian church, you know, you got to have faith. George Michael, you got to have faith. All of these things uh, just say this word, and, and, and it can be difficult, especially if you look to the Bible and you say, okay, well, what is faith in the Bible? And you see things like 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. What does that mean? What does it mean to walk by faith? Does it mean that we close our eyes and we put blinders on to the things that are happening in the world and we just chug right past having faith that things are going to get better or, or is there something deeper to it? What is faith? Now, fortunately, the author of Hebrews recognizes the struggle that we have. And the author of Hebrews gives us this insight. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So what are the things that we're hoping for? What are we hoping for that faith is answering? How do we deal with that and what does that look like for us? What does faith really mean for us and how do we live into that? And so that, that can be a hard question for us to understand, a hard question for us to, to take a deep look at, and a hard question for us to wrap our minds around it. Uh, and so I wanted to start by going back to scratch and saying, hey, this is what faith is all about. Faith is all about the fact that we have a problem. And when we're honest with ourselves, we recognize that we have a pretty significant problem. Uh, the problem is called sin, and, and, and it's demonstrated so clearly in our lives, and, and we've seen it for so long that sometimes we can just overlook it. Um, and here's, here's what I mean. We can't be good like we want to be. 
We can't just decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to be good. Now, some of us think, no, I'm a pretty good person. And the reason we think that is because we compare ourselves to other folks and we think, oh, well, at least I'm not doing that. Or at least I'm not doing those things. Or at least I'm not like that with other people. And the difficulty is that's not the bar that, that God holds us to. God has in mind for us to, to hold to a higher standard, uh, a standard of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And, and so when we compare ourselves to other humans, it's okay. But when we compare ourselves to Jesus, it might leave us wanting. And we recognize that we're not the way that we want to be. And we're not able to live the way that we want to live. And we're not able to relate with others in a selfless way like Jesus did. And so how, how can we get back to that? And the first is recognizing that sin exists. It's almost a dirty word now. You don't, you don't say, well, that's a sin. Uh, you know, it, it, it's something that uh, people want to keep quiet. Now we say, we're, instead of sin, we say things like brokenness or difficulty in this world or something like that. But the truth is that there is a fundamental flaw within us, that we have, we have a propensity, a, a desire towards sin and away from God. And so I wanted to start by saying, you know, let's take a look at that. What is sin? Sin is first and foremost, the opposite of God and good. Sin is, is the moving away from what God is calling us to and, and living on our own. It's the opposite of what God is calling us to be and how God calls us to live. And it's the opposite of good. When we look at sin, it's those things in our lives where we decide we're going to do something no matter who it hurts or what the cost is. And, and some of those things have cost us immensely, or they have hurt those that we love. And, and maybe we didn't think it through and understand it all. And whatever reason we have to rationalize it out, because that's our defense mechanism against sin, is we try to make it a reason that there is a reason that we did it. And so I, I just want us to start there and then take a look at the fact that the sin, that sin is the opposite of love. It's actually a corruption of love. It's self-love over others. It's holding ourselves higher instead of loving people where they are and sharing with them our lives and, and, and hoping for the best for others. True love for others. Sin is always selfish. Uh, it, it's, it's this selfishness. Uh, I, I said always selfishness because truly it's, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around just how selfish we are. We are so self-centered and selfish that, that it's hard for us to put others first. Even the best of us struggle with this because sometimes people say things or do things and they hurt us. And so our response is to be hurtful to them instead of to understand that maybe they didn't mean it that way. Or even if they did, maybe we should take a different course so that we could de-escalate the problems that are going on. And, and, and finally, Sin is always rebelling, always rebelling against God, pushing God away and, and trying to, again, place us first. Sin is the problem that we can't fix. Sin is why we need Jesus. 
Uh, we, we struggle so bad so that we can, uh, so, so much with sin that, that we, we turn to Christ. And you know, to be totally honest, I, I have led uh, repentance prayers at churches and had people come up. Repentance is just saying, God, uh, you know, help me to turn away from my sin, to not go back to it, to not be in that same way anymore. Uh, and I've had people come up and they said, hey, I wish we didn't do things like that. I wish we didn't pray prayers like that because it makes me feel guilty. And that's, that's, that's the root of the problem is that we know that we aren't right. But the gift is that we have Jesus. We have the gift of Jesus that can make us right. Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, says this, for in it... In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, for in who Jesus came to be, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So when we hear we shall live by faith, what we're hearing is that we shall live, live in a way that we recognize that we need Jesus. Uh, it is the revelation and gift of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the thing our faith hopes for. Jesus is the thing that calls us into life and draws us into relationship. Jesus is why we have faith that things are going to be okay because of what Jesus has done. When we think about that, a lot of times around Christmas, like I said, uh, I've said a few times, around Christmas, we, we love the baby Jesus, but the truth is Jesus grew into a man and took upon himself our sin, our brokenness, and bore it to the cross, took it to the cross for us, and died on our behalf, and was ro rose on the third day so that we could see what victory over sin and death looks like, so that we could have that victory in our own life. That's what Jesus came to do to remove that sin from our lives. And when we talk about faith, walking in faith, living in faith, and when we say living by faith, it means living in faith. What is our faith in? Our faith is in a Savior who came for our, us individually, each and every one of us, to save us from sin and death, to return us to relationship, to restore us into that right relationship, and to give us hope and a purpose. That's what Jesus came for. That's what living by faith looks like. That's what, what it means when we live by faith or live in faith. We, we recognize our need for Jesus but we also recognize that Jesus' love for us won't leave us where we were. God comes to us wherever we are, even at, at a distance from God. God comes and meets with us, meets us there. But God loves us too much to leave us there. And so Christ comes to return and restore us to relationship and to grow us in that relationship so that we can be more like Christ. Paul says it this way in his letter to the church in Galatia, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it is Christ in me. But in Christ lives in me. I no longer live, 
but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. The, the gift of Jesus Christ is that God comes to save us from our sin and, and restore us to relationship. But God calls us to so much more. Resetting our faith means understanding that Christ calls us to more than just belief. Christ calls us to more than just belief so that we can be the people that God wants us to be, so that God can, can, can restore us to relationship, but then move us further. I mean, the devils and demons of this world know that Christ exists. They believe in Jesus. God calls us to more than just belief. God calls us to live by faith, to live in a right relationship, to, to live by faith knowing that Christ is living in us. It's no longer us that live, but Christ living in us that makes a difference. And so maybe you, some of you are sitting out there and wondering, how, how can we do that? What does it look like to actually allow this kind of faith, to live into this kind of faith. And the, there, I, I have th there are so many things that we can do to allow God more access to our lives. I put three that I know I need. And my guess is that we all could use a little bit more of them. The first is this, submission. We need to submit ourselves to God. Submit ourselves to God's love and grace and righteousness. Submit ourselves to the, the realization that we need a Savior, that we are not enough on our own. And, and if we need a Savior, we need to call out and, and, and let God in and let God have control. And that comes in submission. Following submission, following that, that that dangerous prayer of God, I, I surrender to you, is trust. Trust that God has a plan and a purpose for you individually. Trust that God loves you and will do his best for you. Trust that God will carry you through whatever curveball the world has to offer and that God is with you. And finally, discipline. Oh, we don't like that term. We don't even like to talk about disciplining our children anymore. We have time out. It's not really discipline. It's time out. They go sit in a corner and, and have some time. Now, I'm not hating on time out. My kids went into time out all the time. Discipline in, in the sense that I'm talking about is not punishment. Discipline in the sense that I'm talking about is like when you are one of those folks that goes uh, and has a new year resolution to go to the gym, that you have to be disciplined to make a routine. You have to be disciplined to set time apart for it. You have to be disciplined in the focus and function of going to the gym or it will have no impact. The same is true of the Christian faith, that we have to be disciplined in our faith to allow God access, to spend time with God, to submit to God, to trust in God, and to believe that God is moving in and through us, perfecting us and moving us in the direction that leads to life. We have to be disciplined in our faith 
so that we can experience all of the blessings that God has in mind for us. Because the truth is that faith is not a checkbox. You don't come to church on Sunday or Saturday evening and say, boom, done, no problem. Church is a lifestyle, living on behalf of Jesus Christ right here and right now. It's no longer I that live, but Christ in me that lives. What would it look like? What would it look like if we took that seriously? What what would it look like if we lived by faith? If we said to ourselves every morning, every afternoon, every evening, if we said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, what would I do differently? What what should I do today, Lord? Lord, lead me in the way that you want me to go this moment in this day. When somebody comes and is, is angry or irritated or causes you hurt or harm, instead of responding out of anger and, and violence or, or anger and, and, and words that may even escalate and cause more pain, to say, God, what would you have me say? And now I realize it's so hard in the moment, but But if it is true that it is no longer I that live, but Christ in me, my selfishness, my brokenness, all of the things that made me uh, the opposite of Christ, the sinful things have been put away, then how can I truly live for Christ? What would it look like if I allowed Christ that much access to my life? What would it look like if you allowed Christ that much access to your life? My guess is things would be a whole lot different And you would find life on the other side of that so much more beautiful than what you would expect. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for who you are, for the gift you give us in your Holy Spirit, for the way that you have sent Jesus into the world to take away our sin, to offer us a new life in you, a a new relationship with the Father. Help us to live into that. Help us to surrender who we are to you. Help us to trust that your love for us is so strong and help us to be disciplined in our growth, in our discipleship, in our love for you. Father, we know that we have not always done the things that you want us to. Sometimes we we choose our own way and our selfishness gets in the way. And so, Father, we repent we turn away from our sin, and we ask for you to pour out your Holy Spirit on us, forgiving us and helping us to live more righteously because of the righteousness that Christ has given to us. We have been victorious over sin and death. You have given that gift to us. The grace that you pour out on us is enough, but help us to grow in that grace to mature in our faith, and to live by faith now and always. We pray this in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everyone agreed and said, amen.